If you will, take your Bibles and turn to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4. As I want to talk to you about the importance to finish well. To finish well. You realize that in the ministry today, only one out of ten will finish. That's pretty staggering. I don't know about you, that just kind of makes me go, Lord, what is going on? 80% of ministers' families say that the church has had a negative impact on their family life. Among the divorce rate among people in the ministry ranked second as a vocation in the nation. Now, let's talk about the people. In the average church, We cannot find, or we cannot, over the past 70% of our memberships have not darkened the church door in probably five years. Except for maybe a funeral or a wedding. The divorce rate among Christians is the same as the divorce rate among the unchurched. We need to talk about how to finish well, just a moment. God really put this on my heart, and I just want to share it with you and share some thoughts that Paul is saying. These are his last words. Last thing he's going to write, the last thing that that we know uh, about him before he goes into eternity. Um, Here's what I know. Our journey of faith has a final destination. If you're a believer, your destination is heaven, and that is great news. How we travel this journey determines if we finish well. I know where I'm going to end up. If you're a believer, I know where you're going to end up. If you're not a believer, I know where you're going to end up. But when the last moment comes, will people say, boy, they finished well. They got to the finish line. They weren't disqualified. They didn't default. They made it. So let me read this to you, beginning in verse 9. Timothy, this is his son of the ministry, please come as soon as you can, meaning get here quick. It's urgent. I need to see you. Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful to me in my ministry. I sent uh, Tychicus to Ephesus. And when you come, be sure to bring the coat I left with Carpus at Troas. Also bring my books and especially my papers. I want to stop there for a minute and talk about those verses. The first thing I want you to look at as we consider how we will finish well and what's important on this journey and how we travel through life, whether you're a 
new believer as a, as a child or a, a teenager or a college student or a single or a young married or medium adult or senior adult. This is important. You don't wait till you get over 50 to apply this. You start where you are today. Look at this. Companionship is essential. Our journey was never intended to be traveled alone. And yet I find in most believers, the first time something goes wrong, we tend to isolate and pull away. Maybe we struggle with something and we're embarrassed and we pull away. Or maybe we fail miserably and we don't know how to deal with it and we hide out. Sometimes we get our feelings hurt, we don't like what's going on, and we pull away. And that's going to damage how you, that's going to damage how you finish. Because the whole purpose of our journey in life is to bring as many people into the kingdom as we can before we leave planet Earth. And if you're not walking the journey well, you're not bringing anybody with you. Matter of fact, you're getting in the way of some people. So companionship is essential. It's necessary. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says this. You might want to turn over there. I'm going to read it to you. But it's chapter 4 verse 9 says, Two people are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be defeated and attacked. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple break cord is not easily broken. I want you to understand you're not supposed to travel this life alone in following Christ. He has given us a community of where we're to jump in and help one another and really, really make a difference. Here's what we need from others, and here's why we need others. If you think, well, I don't need anybody because me and Lord, we got it going on, you're wrong. Here's what you need. Here's what Paul needed desperately. He's saying, Timothy, I need to see you, man. I- I'm longing for fellowship with you. I want to talk to you. I want to hear your voice. I need you. I need to see Mark. Do you realize there's 16 names in this passage I've read to you? I didn't read the last two verses or the last uh, four verses, but there's names there. There's 16 uh, names in this chapter that Paul has about, talks about companions in the ministry. And in his journey. It ain't supposed to be done alone. I don't care how spiritual you are. Uh, here's what you see. Here's what we need from others. Experiences in grace about salvation and service. We need to hear other people's experiences. We need to hear about their experience of when they met the Lord Jesus Christ and he changed their life. We need to hear about what he's doing in their life as they serve him. The, the grace they experience day by day and moment by moment through good days, bad days, mountaintops and valleys. We need to hear about experiences. When, when Paul was going to see Timothy, he's going to say, tell me about what's been going on. Tell me what God's doing in your life. We need to be sharing that all the time with people, what God is doing in your life. You need to share it with your family with your children. I'm not talking about preaching to them, but you need to tell them what God's doing. If he's answered a prayer, and he says, let me tell you what God answered in my prayers this week. Let me tell you what he's done in my life. 
Some of you, and I know you, y'all have incredible stories that need to be shared. You realize why you went through what you went through? It wasn't just so you could keep it to yourself. It's so you could share the grace of God that worked in your life. And so uh, you, we, we need to hear those experiences because they fire us up. They, they sometimes encourage us. We need to hear experiences. We also need energy enthusiasm that comes from others. It's like iron sharpening iron. Uh, the, the, from, from energy, you, we need uh, to be around people that bring energy to the table. Sometimes we get tired. Man, the journey can be tough. Climbing the mountain can be hard in daily life. And so you find that sometimes somebody comes along, they got all this energy, and they just, man, they just fire you up. They put a little, uh, a little, a little zip in your step. Enthusiasm. You see, God is designed for people to cross our paths that bring enthusiasm, excitement, and energy to our lives. Paul was talking about such people. He had known such people. Barnabas was one of those guys to him. Barnabas brought him energy and enthusiasm because Barnabas was excited about what God was going to do with Paul. We motivate and inspire one another. That's why companionship is important. The third thing is encouragement. When the days are hard, prayers are welcome. Because people still need the Lord. And we need each other. To finish well, to accomplish our purpose, we just need other people. Now, I know the Lord's there. and Paul's going to talk about that. He's going to finish on that strong note. But in the, we also need people with skin on, okay? And we need that. Kind of like the, the, uh, the, the little girl was having a hard time sleeping. She'd had a bad dream. She was scared. She cried. She, she hollered for mom. Mom comes in. And, and, and mom's trying to calm her down and say, look, sweetheart, don't worry. You're not alone. God's here, and it'll be fine. God's going to take care of you. God's watching over you. You just go back to sleep. Well, about five minutes passed, and she called out and screamed again, and mom came there and said, what is it, sweetheart? I told you God was here. Said, I know God's here, but I need somebody with skin on. Send dad. <laughs> Sometimes we need people with skin on. I mean, God works through people. And so we need to encourage. Guys, I'm here today because of some people way back there that invested in me and encouraged me. Really. I had a pastor who believed in me. But he didn't have any real reason to. I wasn't going to bring much to the table. But he believed in me. And today, he's, he's my model for finishing well. He just retired from an interim church he took 15 years ago. <laughs> they kept him around 15 years. And he's been retired now for about three months. He says, man, I, I got to find another church. He's about to be 80. And he's finishing so well. I had a deacon at my first church who was awesome. I had deacons at my second church. I have deacons here. You guys, so many of you are such an encouragement to me. You know, you're, this is a great church. I'm just going to brag on you. Y'all are a great church. You realize you have a staff that, uh, 53, 
over 70-something years combined staff tenure here. That's because y'all are a good church. Man, we're blessed. I got Kevin and Jim and Eric. They all are on the journey doing well. I need them. I'm grateful for them. Grateful for you. I'm grateful for leadership in the deacons because you encourage me. Man. You know, Barnabas was the son of encouragement. He had poured his life into Paul, and Paul would pour his life into Timothy and eventually into Mark. That's how life works. When someone pours into you, you are not to contain it and keep it to yourself. You've got to let it flow through you and go to somebody else. That's how life really works. Equipping others for the kingdom. You look here, he said, bring Mark because he will help me in my ministry. Well, Paul's ministry is really about to end. You understand that. He's going to be beheaded. He's, he has a date with an executioner. Because he was a Roman citizen, he would not be crucified, but he would be beheaded. And so uh, he wouldn't be fed to the lions, he would be beheaded. And so he knows the day's coming. It's marked on somebody's calendar. He's never going to be gone, he's never going to be free again. But he says, I need Mark to come because I want to invest in Mark for the next generation. I want to help him. I want him to help me continue what I've started. I want him to come in and be a part of building the kingdom when I'm gone. You see, none of us are here unto ourselves. It ain't about just God can bless me, mine, and must for no more and don't care about anybody else. We're here to invest in other people. We're here to invest in the next generation. We're here to invest in, 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 in those. And let me tell you, let me go and help you out. When you invest into the next generation, they will do things different from you. Don't get mad about it. They just do things differently. It's okay. Different, different mindset. Man, if they're building a kingdom, if they love Jesus, we need to be cheering them on. So, I, I say that. He said, I'm equipping Mark. I bring Mark. I want to see Mark. I want to tell him that I believe in him. I want to encourage him. You realize the problem with him and Mark was, on the first missionary journey, Mark abandoned the journey. And, you know, Paul, Paul's one of those strong personalities. He didn't like that. And so, when it came time for the second missionary journey, Barnabas said, Mark wants to go with us. Paul said, oh, no. No. He quit on me. He ain't going to quit on me again. But Paul now said, I want to talk to Mark. I, I need to let him know I believe in him. He needs to know that I, I, I probably should have been different about that. But I want him to come. I want to tell him that I believe in him. That he can help me accomplish kingdom purpose. We have to have other people. God wired us that way. I think about my first church when I drove an hour to get there one way. But every Sunday, a lady named Mary Carroll invited me to come home and eat lunch. And she was a great cook. You know, I never gained weight till I got in the ministry. Son, I've ate some good food over the years. But let me tell you, she would fix and she would love to fix. And we'd hang around and relax and, 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 and just... Uh, the first two people I baptized in my first church were her sons. Man, God, honor her goodness. I think so many of you have been gracious. You know, 
Uh, y'all are so good to me. I, I, every time y'all see a Duncan, I mean, I see a Krispy Kreme light, y'all send it to me so I can drool. <laughs> but you know, uh, encouragement. I, we need others. We need others. There's something else. I want to just say this briefly. The second thing I want you to understand as we travel our journey is that conflict is a reality. I don't know where we got this. If you love Jesus, said nothing ever going to go wrong. Everybody going to love you. You can have more money you can spend. You never get sick. No. Conflict's reality. And Paul says this, look at this. Verse 14, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm, but the Lord will judge him for what he has done. Be careful of him, he's talking to Timothy, for he fought against everything we said. That was he fought against the gospel and against Jesus Christ. And he said he's, he, he's going to try to do a sin. And, it, and if you get the text in highest reading, that this guy was a constant thorn in Paul's side. He wasn't just a one-time show-up thing. He kind of kept showing up. And uh, he said, this guy's hurt me. He's even harmed us sometimes what we're trying to do. So be careful, Timothy. But don't misunderstand. Paul's not trying to. Let me tell you, when you read this, the temptations, because we look at it through how we are. Somebody harms me, I'm going to harm them. That's not what Paul's saying. Paul said, I'm trusting God to deal with him. And actually, God's, uh, he's hoping that God will change him and change his heart of repentance. Let me tell you this. Conflict is reality. Don't be surprised and don't get sidetracked when somebody hurts you. It happens. We all got bruises. Every one of us. But do not get sidetracked by that. And certainly don't be surprised by it. It's part of the journey. Everybody, Jesus said that. Peter said that. Paul says that. It's part of the journey. That's why you got to have these people encouraging you and, <laughs> and supporting you and cheering you on because a lot of people are hoping you fail. We get sidetracked by anger and bitterness. We get angry and bitter. We do. We think, oh, man, I get so mad I'm going to deal with that. Or I get bitter because I can't deal with it because I just keep it inside. That's sidetracking you from your journey. You got to let go of that, that stuff. There's no room for that uh, in the spirit-controlled life. And so you got to go. The anger's got to go. I got to get it to go. And people, yeah, people sometimes, let me tell you, some people don't mean to make you mad, and they do. Some people don't mean to hurt you, they do. It's, it's just kind of they don't realize they've done it. And some people do it on purpose. <laughs> don't kid ourselves. And it hurts and it's wrong, but sometimes we bring ourselves, sometimes we don't. But it comes, conflict's a reality in this life. And, and, and so you got to know that it comes whether you're in middle school, high school, college, workplace, the ball field. Man, some of the biggest conflicts I've ever seen in my life is at the ball field. Don't be surprised, but don't let it sidetrack you, man. Just go, hey, this happens. Let go of stuff. Let go of stuff. I, 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 years ago, I'll go back many years, uh, one of my daughters was, uh, uh, they had the, 
the the changing re rechanging of the ball teams and the leagues and uh, the the more opportunities and so uh, all our buddies were there was uh, two coaches that were going to take the girls and build a team uh, and so forth and so on and I I remember having to explain to my daughter why she was left out was because of her ability. She was left out because one of the coaches had a problem with me. And my daughter paid for it. Well, it's tough. Now, let me be a little honest with you. I kind of got really mad about that. Didn't do anything, didn't say anything. I, I had to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm, that hurt me. I, I'd like to deal with it, but I'm not. I can't. That's not, you know. They've done that. They've made that decision. I had to sit and explain to my daughter. It wasn't you. It was me. I'm sorry, sweetheart. They, they, they had a problem with me. And, uh, and I had to pray about that. I had to say, God, let me, go, let, me let go of that. Let, let me, it's okay. And, uh, and, and, you know, it's not the end of the world. There's worse things than not making a team. Uh, and you go, look, that's, that's really important. And I explained to my daughter, who at that time was 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 uh, 14, hey, it's life. I'm sorry. So sorry. But there came a time when I got to minister to that coach about six years down the road because God brought him to the point of him changing. I didn't have to do anything. I didn't say anything bad about him. Didn't, didn't ever trashed him. But I watched God bring him. We became good friends. I ministered to him greatly. And, and, and um, it's all good. Because I didn't get sidetracked. I'd like to tell you I do everything that way, but I don't. There's times I haven't done that well. And some of you can identify with that. Conflict's reality. Trust, lead the people to God and let him change their heart. He'll deal with them one way or the other. That's his business. It'd be great if he changed their life. One last thing, and I say this to you. Paul finishes out with this. The first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. Again, that need for companionship. Everyone abandoned me. Demas got sidetracked by the things of the world. Didn't mean he was lost. But he sure got compromised. Demas wouldn't finish well. Okay? And then he said, but, and then others that could have stood in my defense chose not to because they were afraid. May it not be counted against them. He's talking about his brothers. He said, I, I pray that God doesn't hold it against them. It's okay. And I love verse 7, but the Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all the Gentiles to hear. Now he's in court and he's being asked questions about why he's done what he's done and what's caused the problems. And he said, you know what happened? The thing to do probably would have kept my mouth shut and I might have not ended up in jail. Or I might have could have said, well, I was misunderstood and it wasn't quite the way it sounded. I wasn't trying. He said, you know what God did for me? God gave me the strength to share the truth about kingdom 
reality about a place called heaven and a person named Jesus who died on the cross for sin that we could go to heaven and that our, our sins could be uh, paid for and that we could have a promise of an eternal home with God forever. He'd change our life from the inside out. He said, I shared the gospel in its entirety with everyone that was listening because I didn't care what they would do. He said, because God strengthened me. He said, I can have my own strength. Guys, we don't live the Christian life on our own strength. We live in the power of the Holy Spirit that comes inside of us and works through us to accomplish kingdom purpose. And he said, here's what I want you to get. I have confidence and courage. That's the third thing, confidence and courage. You've got to get that. Paul, in these last verses, he's going to be beheaded, but he is so confident that God's in control. Confidence and courage. This last point are found in the Lord for every part of the journey. Every part of the journey, we can have confidence and courage. On some days, we don't feel like we have confidence. And some days, we may not feel like we have courage. But God's there to say, but, here's what Paul said, but the Lord stood with me. Gave me strength so that I might preach the good news. Everybody could hear. And then he rescued me from certain death. Now, that's interesting because, because he's going to be beheaded. But you know what he's saying? He said, time and time, and t- time and time again, God has delivered me from my untimely death. He says, he's finished with me now. I'm done. I've ran my race. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. I'm ready to go. And it's time. But only now is it going to happen. God has protected me until it was my time. Guys, you got to know that. I, we got to know that. It's appointed a man wants to die. That's in God's hands. But until that moment, he's got me. He's got me. It may look like I'm on the edge of death, but that doesn't mean that's going to happen if it's not his time. Sometimes you get to the edge of death just to have a greater story. So you go, hey, look, here's what you got. Man, I'm confident that he's delivered me. Watch this. (laughs) Yes, the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. Meaning those attacks would try to stop me from finishing well and getting to heaven. Nothing's going to stop that. So, and all glory to God forever and ever, amen. He's probably singing 10,000 reasons. Really? Man, he's fired up. He's excited here. Two things we have. Confidence and courage because we have the Lord's strength for purpose. And we have the Lord's security to get us to the finish line. That's what he does. That's what he says. The Apostle Paul had a tough life. If you go to 2 Corinthians 4, you're going to read about all this, uh, the stuff he dealt with. Oh, shoot. Let's go over there and read that. We need to read that. That's pretty good stuff. Let me get over there. Chapter 4, we need to read this. Verse 8, chapter 4, 2 Corinthians. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Wow, pretty strong, isn't it? 
And if you turn over a page or two, you're going to find what he says in chapter 6, verse 5. We've been beaten, been put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and gone without food. But he said, God has never failed. God's enough. Man, I, I believe it's going to get harder and harder to live out your Christian life because the world doesn't like us. We are now a minority, a solid minority. If I tell you the fastest growing religions in the country, would, our number one is Islam, number two is Mormonism, number three is atheism, and number four is Christianity. Just how it is. Well, Pastor, are you worried? No. Man, power of the gospel still works. It changes people. All three of those categories can be converted to Christ. We just have a bigger mission field than we used to have. That's what that means. We need to get it done. Finish well. Special Olympics. They're running a dash. Five have lined up. They've got the lines, the lanes chalked, and each child has their own disability. And yet they take with great courage. They get on that starting line and they they hear the shot and they're gonna run as hard as they can, as best as they can, with a desire to win a medal when they cross the finish line. It is a sight to behold. I've always enjoyed being a part of the Special Olympics here in Roman. So, uh, what watching their passion and their desire. Well, these five are fired up and the gun fires and they take off and they're trying to get to the finish line as quick as they can. And about two-thirds of the way, one of the kids goes down. trips and stumbles over his feet and awkwardness. He just falls and rolls and kind of lay in there. And one kid noticed and then noticed right away and then another kid and all of a sudden the four of them stopped short of the finish line, turned around and went back and picked up the kid who fell. They got him and they said, And they all ran. They got him back up. Come on. And they crossed the finish line together. Maybe we could learn something. We need each other. Companionship is essential. Conflicts are real. We need each other. Confidence and courage wins the day. God's enough. No matter what you face, finish well.